Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. All right. One last reminder for the Bay's live taping that's happening tonight, May 13th at 5.30 p.m. over Zoom. It's free. It's going to be fun. You'll get to see all the mistakes that I make during an interview, uh, but also you'll get to see our interview process and how we talk to reporters for an episode. Details for this event are in our show notes, and I hope you make it out. California's public schools have been asked to do a pretty incredible thing in a really short amount of time. In a matter of weeks, students and teachers across the state have had to move classes online. But the transition has been really tough, and it's exposed some of the inequalities in schools that have always been there. Roughly 1.2 million California students don't have adequate internet access. And even if you do get students into an online class, it's just not the same. I don't feel like I'm learning anything in my math class because it's so hard to do the work without having the teacher there. Today, how teachers and students are dealing with the new reality of virtual classes. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. So I went up to Arbuckle about six weeks after most schools um, shut down. Julia McAvoy is senior editor for KQED's Education and Equity Desk. Arbuckle is a rural city of about 3,000 people in Calusa County, north of Sacramento. Julia made this trip there last month. I went to Arbuckle because I found out there was this third grade teacher there named Elena Anberg, and she was single-handedly taking it upon herself to find kids in her district who didn't have internet tools to do, you know, online learning, and she was just hell-bent on making sure that every kid got what they needed. I went out to meet her because she was driving, you know, like 15 miles between homes. The second stop was a mobile home park. Uh, that's where this one student, Adrian Avila, lived. And he's there with, like, um, three other kids in the same household. How old are you then? Uh, 14. Okay, and how old are you, is everybody else here? Uh, he's 12. 14, 12. Uh, 10 and 9. 10 and 9. 
there are swaths of areas outside of Arbuckle where the kids live and they get like bussed into school. And those are the places where they just don't seem to have any internet connection. It's like a dead zone here. Like every other house could get internet except us. Uh, do you know what company you tried? Uh, AT&T, uh, lots of others, Ryzen. They said uh, there was no uh, service out here. Like it was a dead zone. Miss Amber, she decided to help the youth and giving us hotspot internet. She puts like a SIM card into a phone and like it provides hotspot. So when you turn on the hotspot, it's like internet. Okay. You just connect it to a, a device where you could um, access the assignments and that stuff. It's been really hard to be honest. I have I take college courses and I'm, I have to be checking both of them constantly for new assignments. So when the school says we're gonna move to online and you didn't have the internet, what was your first thought? I was like, how? How am I going to handle this? And that's the kind of problem that a lot of kids have had, even in urban areas um, like Oakland and, and other places like that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really unusual for a teacher like Elena to drive around and deliver, you know, internet hotspots or computers. But is this just where we are right now? Like, is, is Elena one of many teachers doing what basically whatever she can to keep classes going. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, she just is astounding. I don't know that she sleeps. She's <laughs> hustling used equipment from her church, like used old smartphones. She's like hustling SIM cards from like providers. And then she's paying for the uh, the hotspots to go up. She's paying the internet provider to make it happen. So, And then she's wow. like single-handedly delivering these things to these different homes, like troubleshooting everything. Jeez. I mean, I've heard of teachers, you know, giving up their stimulus checks and, and you know, driving around and delivering computers and all this. But that just seems like an incredible ask of educators right now. Yeah. So, so yeah, teachers are doing extraordinary things. I mean, uh, Elena out in Arbuckle, you know, she can't teach if the kids can't connect um, right. online. I mean, she can. They can do these packets. They've been dropping off packets. But those kids, like, they're really isolated and they're really lonely honestly there was this every time she saw a kid elena would like start crying basically her face would get really red and i'd turn around and look at her and she'd be wiping her eyes and she really wanted to hug the kids real bad hi how are you good it's good to see you I'm excited to see you. It's been a long time. So There was this one little guy, uh, and he was saying, she's like, I'm like, what do you miss about school? And he goes, I miss my teachers. And I said, what do you miss about them? And he goes, I miss the hugs. So, you know, it's just kids need that connection, even if they're not learning, like to know that somebody cares about them. And some kids, um, they want to know how their fellow students are doing. You know, they were worried about their fellow students. Is the main way that educators are, are holding lessons over, over video, over virtual classrooms? So teaching and learning is taking place kind of school by school. And some schools have leapt in and they have kids who are engaged and parents who are engaged. And they're having, you know, 30-minute Zoom classes, uh, you know, three times a week and, and office hours in between time. And they're, you know, having side chat bar rooms where teach, the teachers are dropping in and the kids are doing like lessons together. And, you know, they're doing the best they can and they seem to be involved with their students and things seem to be moving along. But then there are teachers like Maya Bradkey at Fremont High School who says that 
she tried to have um, everybody log in, for example, at 1.30 for a class. And of the 30 students in that class, three kids showed up. So what are we going to do to try to make up for lost instruction? Like, it's cute, the idea that you can give out packets to students and as a short-term measure, fine, but you can't do that for a semester. Five out of 30 students in a given class are responding to her assignments. And, you know, she said, you know, this is going to really set our students behind more. My students are already under-resourced and underprivileged, and this is just going to be such a further setback for them. And when I spoke to her more recently, she said, it's happening. You know, we can't find our students. Um, There are students who are missing. There are students who they can't do studying because they have to put food on the table or help their parents do uh, work or um, watch their siblings while and help their siblings do homework and they don't get to do their own homework. So she's just really trying to pace herself as she tries to help the students that really need the basics. And she says she's like a social worker instead of a teacher right now. And she wants to teach. It's just that like her students, it's hard for them to meet her halfway right now. It sounds like teachers are doing a lot of different things to try to connect to their students. They're doing, you know, Zoom classrooms sometimes, and they're assigning, you know, schoolwork. But do you do you know what the students feel about the online learning environment right now? There's a student at Fremont High School that we checked in with um, right when this thing went down because she wasn't going to have a graduation ceremony at her school. She's a graduating senior at Fremont High School, and her name is Malia Johnson. And I called her up again to see, like, what has online learning been like for you? And she says it's just been really disappointing. I don't feel like I'm learning anything in my math class because it's so hard to do the work without having a teacher there. It's like I'm just going through the steps and I'm not able to ask, like, oh, why does this work and fully understand the concept. You know, even if they post a video sort of walking you through it, you know, she has questions. And when she's asking the questions, it's like nighttime because that's when she's going to be able to do the homework in her home. And then the teachers aren't available at that time period. You know, timing and logistics in this whole operation are like, it feels like a third of the problem to me. Like, for example, my friend, she was supposed to join our physics class on Google Classroom. And she didn't even know until like a week ago. And so she was like super behind on the assignments and it was like really hard for her to do them. And she would like forget when to do them because she had like so many responsibilities at home and stuff. Teachers really did have to like run out the door with very little preparation and materials even for shifting to an online learning environment, which, you know, online learning in and of itself has its own issues. Anyone can tell you that. But online learning is to to succeed with it. It's its own animal. And a lot of teachers are saying, gosh, we really hope over the summer that we can dig in on this, get better at it, because if we have to come back in the fall and continue with this, even if it's a hybrid model, we we can do better. Like we want we want to figure it out. But don't criticize us right now because the circumstances under which we've been trying to operate have been just crazy. Well, I think one of the scarier things is that the response seems to be all over the place. Has the state done anything to help educators out in this moment? I mean, we know that the state is about to issue a May revise of the budget and every school operating from kindergarten, even childcare up through higher ed is expecting to take a hit. So 
I think everyone is seeing less money to help um, execute whatever transition lies ahead, and that's really scary. But um, I will say that the superintendent of schools, Tony Thurmond, who was really all over the achievement gap issue before this began, you know, he's been calling, you know, internet service providers into fact-finding task force saying, you guys need to help us solve this once and for all. Um, We know that the California Public Utilities Commission has some new regulatory powers um, that they are using to try to, uh, again, re-examine this issue of high-speed broadband to um, families in rural areas. So I think that people absolutely see the issues before them. They're not new issues. There may be more impetus right now because of the circumstances with the pandemic to make sure that they really do something about it. I think there's a a desire and a will. I just don't know, know if they'll be able to pull it off. this obviously shows the sort of structural inequities that existed before. Uh, you know, the, the problems that were there before are only exacerbated in this particular crisis at this particular moment. And I know, you know, some hopeful people think that this is a chance to really rethink education and sort of solve some of these problems and that lo and behold, if we were able to come out of this with every kid with a computer and an internet connection, that might be the silver lining. But at this moment, right now, there are just so many different scenarios going on and some kids are zooming ahead and some kids are just not even learning whatsoever. And that's really scaring a lot of people. There's like this wrestling going on, I think, in in the public sphere around, okay, we're several, you know, we're a couple months into this right now. Why isn't it working better (laughs) for students? What are teachers and districts really doing and are they doing enough? And then on the other hand, I think there's this reality that people are really suffering. Teachers themselves, they've got children at home. They've got people who might be sick. Um, They're stressed out. You know, what is it reasonable to expect of teachers right now? And then what is reasonable to expect of students who are really up against the wall with family issues that they have no control over and makes it so hard to do the schoolwork? So shouldn't we cut them some slack? In a lot of ways, educators have always felt like a certain amount of their job is social work, and then another part of their job is what happens in the classroom. Do you feel like the role of school is different now, or do you think it's still the same? I don't think the role has changed. I just think it's intensified. You know, so if you look at the teachers at Fremont High, they were always doing social work with their students. It's just that now the barrier to to even connect with those students is so much steeper because they can't reach them on the phone. Um, They're not responding to a text. They're not showing up for that online 130 class uh, that they've set up on Zoom or on Google Classroom. So the barriers for these teachers to actually connect and help support their students are even higher than they were before. Where schools go from here is a bit of a question mark. Some school districts, like Oakland Unified, are planning summer school in June, which will probably have to happen online. Governor Newsom has said that some schools could potentially reopen at the end of July or early August. To this point, that seems pretty unlikely here in the Bay. And just yesterday, the California State University System, which is the largest public university system in the U.S., announced it was planning to conduct most of its fall classes online. 
Julia McAvoy is senior editor for KQED's Education and Equity Desk. The Bay is produced each week by Erica Cruz Guevara and our editor, Alan Montecilio. And if I may, for a moment, just give a shout out to the team, including our former editor, Erica Aguilar, and producer, Marisol Medina Cadena, for winning a regional Edward R. Murrow Award for our episode last year. It was on the Santa Rosa station KBBF, which was broadcasting emergency information about the North Bay fires in several indigenous languages. That same community station is now broadcasting important updates on the coronavirus. To see that episode, check out our show notes. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.